Uh, looking forward to uh, our time together in the Word today. We are going to be talking about deacons today. And uh, as I kind of joked almost every week, I know this is really exciting for you, but I hope that it is. I hope that in your time together you understand a little bit more about the office of elder, and we've been looking at that, the roles, the responsibilities, the qualifications, because this is important, that we're talking about leadership within the church, and uh, that leadership doesn't rest solely on my shoulders, nor should it, and uh, looking for people in the congregation that would meet those qualifications, also be called to that office and say, man, you really should consider, and let's help you to get to that point, and all those kind of things, and so that's important that we understand that. But these qualifications, as we've said, forever is it doesn't necessarily mean just because you're not an elder or just because you're not a deacon that you don't have to do any of these things. This is really a general call in our lives that we would live above reproach, that we would be people who honor the Lord with our lives. And that's part of all this as well as we work through this. Uh, so we're talking about deacons today. And uh, as we've said every week, I wanted to be reminded, especially if this is your first week, we're a number of weeks in. And, and by the way, Next week, we'll be done with this series. We'll be talking about deacons this week and next week, and then we're going to uh, get into baggage that none of you have, but just your friends have, and we'll be talking about your friends' baggage uh, the next few weeks after that, and then we're going to be on the road to Easter, so it's, it's coming up quick. I mean, before you know it, it's going to be Christmas again, and, and here we are. That's what it feels like sometimes. I don't know. The older you get, once you get past 25, it's just downhill from there. I'm just kidding. Yeah, everybody's like, what, wait, what? Uh, but we've been focused on the authority of the Word of God in our lives and the, uh, the authority of the Word of God in our churches and how important that that is, that, that we rest on the authority of the Word of God, that God's Word is applicable to our lives, and we must do what it says. If we truly are following Jesus, we need to do that. Jesus said this in John 14, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments, meaning that if you truly are following Jesus, you'll do what he says. When we say to trust Jesus as Savior and follow him as Lord, that's, this is what we're talking about, is that if God's word says it, then I should do it. That settles it for me. That these are the kind of things that I should be walking out by his power in my life. And that God's word guides us, and it's the authority in our lives. And if you're a Christ follower and God's word is not the authority in your life, then you need to, to go back to, are you really following Jesus? Uh, that God says it, that I believe it, and that settles it. And two offices that we see in the Word of God are deacons and elders, and that's why we're talking about this when it comes to leadership within the church. And we're going to talk about deacons today, but we're going to talk about, we're going to give you some, some Greek words today. These are free today only. If you come back next week, I'm going to charge you for them. So uh, make sure you get them written down this week. Uh, so there's kind of these different levels of service that the Scriptures talk about when we say deacons or, or whatever. I'm going to kind of give you maybe a, a bigger picture of what Scripture says and so that we can understand this a little bit more. And so our first word, diakonos, means servant. That's easy. Again, we have sometimes taken this word where we've seen it in Scripture and, and used the word deacon and said, well, that's a deacon, but we don't understand that these are levels of service within the church here. Diakonia, which is service, different than servant. You can write all these down. And diakoneo, which means to serve. The action of that. Uh, we're going to look here that there's different levels of, of service, and that's what we're going to talk about in a minute, uh, because that these are kind of used about a hundred times in the New Testament, uh, just in general for service, non-specific, general way. But then you get to First Timothy chapter three, and that's where we'll be in a, in a couple minutes. 
and it gets specific to this office of deacon that it's not translated servant, it's transliterated deacon in English and making a new word, making a noun, describing a person or a position, and that's what we'll talk about in a few minutes. But there are different levels of diaconia. There are different levels of service that the scriptures talk about, and we're going to give you those right here, that the first level of service in your notes in the church is that you are saved to serve. That if you are trusting in Jesus, and we're going to talk about that too in a minute, if you are a Christ follower, you are saved to serve. There's an expectation of service. And we don't say that so that you will do something in the church, like, hey, we really need somebody in the nursery. Are you here? You remember, you're saved to serve. That could be the case, but understand that you play a role in this body and that, that you are, are saved to be a part of this. You're not a, to sit on the sidelines or sit in the stands and say, boy, I wish somebody would do something about that. No, no, it's on me as a follower of Christ by his power to emulate that heart of service, that we are saved to serve, that we are all servants, that if you're saved through Christ, you are saved to serve. Jesus said in John chapter 12, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And when Jesus said, follow me, in this case, what he's talking about is he came not to, to be served, but to serve. That that was his heart. And it better be a huge part of our lives to serve, and not just in the church, but in our lives. To see those opportunities and look around and say, boy, I wish somebody would do something about that. But as a follower of Christ, that I can emulate Christ. I can be, we talk about this often, that I can be the hands and feet of Jesus Meaning, I can be actively serving in the world, representing Christ by his power and his strength, representing to a world that needs to see him. That we are saved to serve. That we serve God, and think about it on two levels, that we serve on a horizontal or a vertical plane. I guess it's not a plane if it's vertical. I don't know if it is or not. I'm not good at geometry or trigonometry. But we serve vertically, that we serve the Lord that we, we love God, that we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that we follow God's leading, that we, we serve him, and that we serve each other. We serve other people, and we live selflessly. James says that to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, that we need to walk in the things that we understand from the word of God. One of the things we've talked about often is that you don't necessarily need more of the word at this moment in your life. What you need, again, by God's power, is to do what you already know. If we actually walked out even the simplest things, and by simple I mean to love God, if we truly live that out, if we truly worship God with all of our lives, if we truly loved our neighbor, we truly loved others, that would change everything. And sometimes what we like to do, though, is we like to sit in rooms and we like to argue about the scriptures and we turn into Pharisees without realizing it. As opposed to saying, God, I want to walk out the things that I really understand. And, and some stuff I don't understand, give me understanding. But help me to walk in the things. Help me to be a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only. That means in the church. That means in your spheres of influence. The places that you go, that you would serve God, that you would serve each other. And to do that by meeting needs. With your time, the talents, and the treasures that God has entrusted to you. How do you, how do, you do that? What's that look like? First Peter says this. That as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That, that we have gifts, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, that some of us are gifted to serve, but all of us are called to serve. All of us have this, and we're saved to serve. I guess I don't want to mix up my terms. But it's on us as followers of Jesus to serve. 
to be a servant. And you don't get to say, well, you know what, that's not my giftedness. God hasn't necessarily called me to this high level of serving. No, no. If you are saved, you are not, no servant is greater than his master. To find places to serve, to join in. And if you have a real relationship with God, if you are trusting God as Savior, if you're following him as Lord, that's God's call in your life. And that's what we need to be walking in as followers of Jesus, to really, to really discern, okay, there's an opportunity for me to serve, to step up, to do this thing, to shovel somebody's driveway, to, uh, to go and, and go shopping for something, to do whatever it takes to, to show them the love of God, to serve them, to really love people. And the fact that I love God should reflect in how I love people. And if I say that I love God, but yet I hate my brother, John tells you that you're a liar. That we all, as followers of Jesus, are saved to serve. And understanding, too, that uh, being saved is not automatic. We talk about this often, but I feel at this point that it's good for us to talk about that. Because some people will think, well, Jesus died for us all, so we're all saved. Understanding that it's by faith that I come to Christ. That just because I come to church, just because I'm a good person, just because I try really hard, just because I keep the Ten Commandments, none of that matters. It's by faith in Christ alone. And we want that message to be clear because that's clearly the gospel, that it's not about being a good person. It's not about going to church, although you should be a good person and you should go to church, but none of those things save you because the reality is, as we've said many, many times, it's not about being a bad person, it's about being a dead person. That apart from Christ, you are spiritually dead, you are separated from him because of your sin. But in Christ, we have access to forgiveness, we have access to the Father by faith. And it's by faith. It's not automatic. And if God has saved you, you need to serve. You need to serve each other in the church. You need to serve each other outside the church that we're all saved to serve. And that's really that first level of the diakonia. We talked about serving God and serving others. I didn't put all these things up there, but there, there they are. And here we go. I don't know what happened to these slides, but you're going to get a refresher. There they are. Here we go. Second one is that you're called to serve. That's not true. You're gifted to serve. I thought I had my notes. I missed it. How about I just give it to you? Don't look at that one yet. I go over them, and I go over them, and apparently I don't go over them enough. I'll give you a blank one. The second one is that you're gifted to serve. Gifted to serve. Don't get called to serve on there yet. Uh, If you turn to Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles there, I encourage you to look here. At least I know what I'm doing. My slides don't know what's going on this morning. What's that? Oh, because <laughs> uh, there's a sense in which we're all servants, but there's a further level in which uh, we're specifically gifted to serve the body. Now, again, don't hear the differentiation. You like that word? We're all on, on a very basic level as followers of Jesus. We're called to serve. We're, and I keep using the word called. We are gifted. We are saved. There we go. We are saved to serve. But look at this. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not have all the same function. Again, you look at your own body. Your hand doesn't do what your nose does unless you're Mork, and then your finger will do what your mouth does. There's a reference for you. Uh, no one? Mork? Nanu, nanu, thank you. I see that hand. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of it. And so Paul is saying that there are many of us, and if we were to look out and you were to look at each other, we're all different. And not only different individuals, but different giftedness and a different heart and a different passion and a different uh, experiences and a different, uh, and different abilities. That we, We're all different people. And yet we come together as one body in this place. 
and really as one body in the places that we are. As far as like you think of like life groups are built in different ways too, but we all come together, some of us are different parts of the body. Verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in his gener- in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who uh, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That there are many gifts given to the church by God. There are different levels of giftedness of, of service. Even there's a, a sense in which we are all called to be servants, but there's also a sense that some of you may discover that God has put within you this gift of service. That while other people say, I would love to teach, or I would love this thing, and I'm gifted to do that thing, some of you say, I just love to serve. I love just pouring out my time and my life to do this thing, to serve somebody else. Not forgetting that we're all called to do that on one level, but there's another level where it's like, wow, I just, I would rather do this than anything else. And one of the things I would point you to, if you go to the website to mbchurchcf.org, you can, in the upper right, there's additional tools. You can click on that. It takes you to our our shape page. You can kind of discover how God has shaped you for ministry. There are spiritual gifts and heart and abilities and passions and experience, all those things. That's the word shape and broken down. Uh, There are messages there. There's a workbook that you can download. I also have workbooks right here. If you want to discover your shape, and you might find out through that process, wow, I really am... Uh, gifted to serve, or I might be gifted for some other thing that I never realized. We'd love for you to discover that because we want you to be serving how God has gifted you because we're all parts of this body together. And if you're an ear, we want you to be an ear. And if you're a mouth, we want you to be a mouth. And we want to help you to be in that place that God has called you to. But there are people with whom, whom God gifts and empowers to serve in a special way within the church that you have this God-given passion to serve and their heart is to serve and they're excited to serve. And uh, Maybe you're gifted and you didn't realize it and you take this test and you go through these things like, wow, I didn't realize that. So we want you to, to understand that. The last one now, we'll eventually get to it, is this one. Is it called to serve? And these are the ones that we would call deacons. And so that first level uh, that you're saved to serve, that as a follower of Jesus, you, you serve because... Jesus is a servant, and we are to emulate Christ by his power, and that you are gifted to serve. But then ultimately, when we talk about this level is when we're talking about deacons, those people who serve the body of the church, who lead the way as servants within the body. They help implement ministry. They support the elders and their examples of service in the church. This has not been our experience in this church, and maybe it's been your experience in other churches, and I don't mean that the deacons that we have have not served the church, but the deacons that we have had in this context have served, in a sense, like elders-ish, and they've kind of been elder deacons-ish, some hybrid position, and so we're trying to understand through the last couple weeks and the next two weeks the differentiation between an elder and a deacon to understand the different roles the different offices and the different functions. Also understand, too, that a deacon is not like a junior elder. A deacon is not like the minor leagues that one day, if you're a good enough deacon, you might be an elder. They're two distinct offices. They're two distinct. Now, could someone who is a deacon be called to be an elder? It could happen. But it's not like, hey, do your time here in the minors, and then we'll call you up when we need you. It's not really the call that we see in Scripture, and we want to stay true to that. So elders will lead, deacons will serve and, and facilitate ministry. And both is interesting, as we'll find out today and the next week, uh, that they're held to the very same high standards 
as a deacon and as an elder, that they both are examples to the congregation. And we'll see that these qualifications are pretty much the same, except that deacons are not, they don't have, they're not required to teach, where elders must be able to teach. Deacons, while they should teach, they're not required to teach. And so if you have your Bibles, if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, we'll be there in a second, but I'll give you a minute to get to there. The first mention of this office we would call deacon comes here, but I do want to call your attention back to Acts chapter 6, because some of you will say, wait, 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 in Acts chapter 6, there were deacons. And uh, I'll say that in that time, in that passage, we can look at it at some other time, but to get you back into that context, the apostles were teaching the God's word, they were preaching God's word, and the, the followers, the disciples were increasing, and it was a crazy time, and there were widows and who are being forgotten in the daily food distribution. And so there was these, these elders, these apostles, who were trying to do all of this work, and they couldn't do it all. And it became an issue. And so to solve it, they brought together the disciples, and they sat down, and they said, it's not right for us to, to be serving tables while we should be teaching the Word, and so we need to fix that problem. And the word here, though, for those that are attending and served, is not translated deacon. We have, and again, this is one of those times where you say, wait, wait, I've been taught that forever in my life, and, and this is the first instance of deacon, and I've been taught that too. But you look back at the Greek, and it's not necessarily the case. that The word there is, is this idea of, of being a servant, someone who is in good standing, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and appoint them to serve food. But it's not necessarily, quote-unquote, this office of deacon. Now, we point back at that and say that that was this first instance, but again, we're trying to be true to the word as much as we, as what we understand. And for those of you that will say, wait, wait, that is the first deacon, I would say it's not a hill to die on. But let's just stay true to what the word says. And we see this as being not called deacons even later in Acts. But these at that time served a purpose of serving, of relieving these duties of service so that the apostles could continue to teach and preach the word while food was being taken care of. So just understand that. Again, we can always have a cup of coffee, but uh, what we, we want to do is just we want to be able to look at the Word of God as it is, uh, because I think sometimes what we do is we say, wait, 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 yeah, I get what you just said. I get that the Greek bears that out, but what I've been taught all these years is this, and so I'm going to stick with what I've been taught. And I would say that, obviously, that's your choice. But if anything, in anything, we want you to look at what God's Word says and say, well, that's, this is what it says. It talks about being a servant, not so much the deacon, but it's a great example for us. It's a great understanding for us, but it's not necessarily pointing to, here's the office of a deacon, and, and this is how it all began. Good, we're still friends. First Timothy chapter 3, look at verse... Eight. So now Paul has talked about overseers in the first part of chapter 3, and he says, Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith that, with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first, and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Again, there's this high standard. I think sometimes in churches we have said, well, there are elders, and then there are deacons. And y'all that are not so good, you can be deacons. <laughs> I don't know what churches you've been in that said that, but I've, I've experienced that where it's kind of like, well, the elders are kind of this upper echelon and we have these deacons down here. But what you see Paul saying is, likewise, this other office is, has very high standards because when people look at these offices, they're looking at leaders within the church. 
And we can't just say, well, the elders have these high standards, but the deacons, you can kind of slack off. It's okay. No. The people are also looking at your lives, and you must be people that are blameless. You must be people that are above reproach. You must be people that are walking in a way because people are looking at your lives. You are an example to others. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let, let deacons each be the husband of a one wife, managing their children and their households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That we are all saved to serve, some of us are, are gifted to serve, and others are called to serve the body. That we call these people who are called to serve, we call them deacons. And the qualifications, like I said, are very similar. And we're going to go through a few of those right now because we're just kind of breaking it down. Again, this, this whole series is trying to keep it high level to have an understanding of these, uh, role, these roles and offices and qualifications. Because again, maybe God is calling you into this role. Maybe you realize like, wow, I, I knew I liked to serve and I knew I enjoyed that, but I really, God is calling me into this active role of service and sacrifice and you might not have known that otherwise. So looking at these words from 1 Timothy chapter 3, the first word that we see, the first qualification for those who are called to be deacons is dignified. The word dignified means serious, that a deacon's life is one that is respected. That this term is closely related to respectable about elders, that deacons should carry themselves in an honorable way. That their lives should garner respect. That it's not, again, just like with elders, it's not this perfection like, oh, you are so awesome and we are not. That I'm not worthy. No. They walk in a, in a heart of humility and contriteness and, and their aim and their goal is to be like Christ by God's power through them. And there will be mistakes made and there will be things said. And, but the heart is to, be, to live their lives in a way that honors God. That there's an air of respect about them, though, as leaders, that we don't like, oh, there's that guy or there's that person. Like, no, that there's an air of respect, that they're dignified. They're not double-tongued. That's fun. A deacon is not double-tongued, is not two-tongued individual. They're, they're not saying one thing to one person and then saying something else to someone else. That they're not gossips, by the way. Gossip is sin. So if you find yourself gossiping, you need to repent. It's a big deal. Although, again, as we talked about last week, we like to, to wrap it up in nice wrapping paper and, and say, I'm not gossiping, I'm just telling you a prayer request, and no, you're gossiping. Or so-and-so said something to you, to me about you, well, did you tell them to come talk to me? No, but I'm going to tell you what they said about you. We need to do better as a, as a church, as a people, and I'm not saying that we're a bunch of gossips, but we need to take these things seriously, because sometimes we don't want to deal with stuff, and so we, we just kind of go talk to somebody else about it as I say, no, let's do this the right way. If somebody's offended you, go talk to them. Pray about it. Check your heart and, and go talk to them. And if you need help, I'll go with you. But let's do this the right way. Otherwise, we're walking in sin and we don't want to be about that. They're not pot stirrers, although that can be fun too. I don't know if you've ever been a pot stirrer or, I'm sorry, you have a friend that's a pot stirrer. You know how fun that can be because like, you just have this juicy morsel that's like, oh, I did and you kind of just, and you, we, gotta, we can't do that. Especially as a deacon, as a leader, you can't be like that. You can't be this gossip. You can't be this potster because as a, per, as a person in leadership, as a deacon in leadership, what you're going to find is that people might come and talk to you. They might bear their souls to you. They might say, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. And you can't be like, oh man, I can't wait to tell everybody. Stop. 
that we need to live lives that are above reproach. We need to live lives that are, we're not double-tongued, we're not pot serves, we're not gossips, we're not two-faced, we're not insincere, we're, we're, we need to be trustworthy. If you can't trust your leaders, you need to get new leaders or you need to get a new church. That we need to be people who garner respect, but genuine respect. What I don't want as a leader, what I don't want for myself is to play a role so that you respect me because of that role, but I really I'm, I'm not the person that I'm letting you think that I am. As I often say, even for people that come through these doors, if you're a heathen, then I want you to be a heathen. And it's okay that you are. Because I believe that God will work in that if you really are being real with who you are. If you're being genuine with who you are, God can work with that. It's those moments that we're like, yeah, I'm good, everything's great, or I'm not gonna let you in and let you know who I am. We play these games and we wonder why nothing changes. But a deacon is straightforward, honest, trustworthy. A deacon is a truth teller with integrity. It's very important. Number three, not addicted to much wine. A person who is uh, controlled by alcohol is not fit to be a deacon. Understand what I'm saying, and understand what Paul is saying. Being controlled by alcohol, we can have this discussion about is alcohol this, or we've had that discussion already. That when I am out of control, when I am drunk, when I'm under the influence of something else, that the Spirit does not have control of my life anymore. And so we can't live in this place, and we've had people, uh, we've had deacons, a deacon, uh, don't picture anybody in your mind. <laughs> I've been in a church where there's a deacon that came to me and, and, and confessed being uh, self-medicating. And I was so thankful, not that he was self-medicating, but that he had the, the, the strength, the, the conviction to say, look, I am, I'm doing the wrong thing. And things changed, and he remained a deacon, but in that moment, like, so he stopped faking who he was and said, look, this is what I'm struggling with. Because I don't think it disqualifies you. If you walk in this, if you continue to walk in this, if you say, eh, I'm going to do it, that's a problem. But when God convicts you and there's real repentance and there's real contriteness, then there is forgiveness and there is grace. But may we never be a church that covers over and hides things. That we want to be, I want us to be genuine and I want us to be transparent and I want us to be authentic. Even if that means we don't look very good. Because I believe that that's the kind of people that, that people will follow because I'm not putting on a show. We are not putting on a show. A deacon must not allow any drink to take control of their lives because, really, as we've said, alcohol, uh, if it's controlling your life, then you're not in control. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is not in control. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to have God in control of your life. And it doesn't have to be alcohol. It can be drugs. It can be other things. It can be caffeine if it gets to that point of like, oh, I've got to have to. Like you're crashing through the Starbucks wall to get your coffee. Like that's a problem. Some of you need to confess right now. I see that. No, I'm not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Like the qualifications for an elder, a deacon must not be a lover of money. 
that a deacon will be put in positions of authority uh, to be stewards, and, and elders are in a position of authority to be stewards of resources that are entrusted to them. That this building is a resource. It is not an end of, of itself. The, the money that is given on a regular basis is not to be squandered away. That we are stewards of those resources. I see people in this church that you are stewards, and we pray this often even in our staff meetings, that we would be faithful with those, God, who you have entrusted to us. That not only are you a gift to the Lord, but you are a gift to this church. Because you're not just, we're not just building, say, this church, but we are the church together. And I want you to know that we appreciate each and every one of you, and we pray for you. And we want to be faithful stewards to say, how can we help you to take steps toward Christ, or to take steps toward Christ's likeness, to grow in your relationship? How do we push you on to be a disciple who makes disciples? We don't do this so that I can get up here on Sunday morning and be the pinnacle of the show. If I'm the pinnacle of the show, we are messed up. If we don't continue to point you to Christ, if we don't continue to point you to Christ-likeness, we are missing the boat. We might as well leave and go home. I want to exist, I want our church to exist to make him great. Because in eternity, it's not about my kingdom. It's not about my empire. It's about Christ's kingdom. And we want to build that kingdom. That we are stewards, we are caretakers. A deacon better not be greedy for money, even for position or power, those kind of things that really don't belong to someone in, in a leadership position. And the temptation that money brings with it needs to stay in check. Especially when things start to go well, then we start to take credit for it. It's easy for us to take credit when things aren't going well. Like, oh, it's all my fault. But may God get the credit for both sides of it because God is able to leverage both sides of it for his glory. When things aren't going as well as they could be, God, we know that you're going to use us and we trust you. When we're down very low in our checking account, like right now, God, we know that you can provide. And we've seen God provide again and again and again and again. And no matter what happens, we trust him. Amen? Not only in this church, but in our lives. And if we stop doing that, then we need to check our, our relationship with the Lord. But if we leave this, this desire for money unchecked, it's going to be a bad example for others. It's going to fall into sin. It's going to lead people down a path that really leads to dishonest gain in places they want to be. So there's much rejoicing right now. We're going to pause there. How about that? But I want you to, to think about your level of serve. That if you are a Christ follower, if you are trusting Christ for salvation, if you are trusting by faith, that you have been born again, that you have this expectation of service in your life. And I'm not saying like, hey, you all are, uh, need to, you are saved to serve, so let's, let's start getting you in positions of service. I'm saying, though, if you are saved, if you are born again, if you are a follower of Jesus, and in this place you say, I, I, I don't serve anywhere, then let's find a place for you to serve. Even if it's, I'm going to hand out a cookie, or I'm going to open a door, or I'm going to, whatever it is. But I would also encourage you to take those steps to discover how you are shaped for ministry. And it's not a selfish thing. It's not like, man, so I can get you to do something. But this idea that we are all gifted in, in certain ways, and as, as Paul says many times, that, that you play a role 
and we want you to discover that role, that you may, you may just be saved to serve, but some of you are, are on another level that you are, uh, I'm going to get the wrong, I keep saying called to serve all the time, and I'm saying the wrong thing. Saved to serve. You are gifted to serve, there's the word, and that you're called to serve, and we want to make sure that you discover that, that your attitude really should be that of Christ. Philippians 2, we looked at it for, but that's really our hearts. And if it's not your heart, then you need to check your heart. And you, I would encourage you to read Philippians chapter 2 this week. Think of John 13, where Jesus sitting around the table with a bunch of dirty feet and a bunch of dirty hearts gets up from the table and actively is an example, takes off his symbol of authority, empties himself even in that moment, and he serves those around him. That's our example. We shouldn't strive to say, how can, I, how can I be number one? How can I be out in front? How can I be this place of prominence? Jesus says, if you want to be first, you need to be last. The way up is really down. And that how can I serve you? How can I love you? Think about your marriage. We've said this before, but if you made a commitment this week to say, how can I outserve my spouse? How can I outserve my, my friend? I don't even like my spouse, right? Well, still outserve them. <laughs> love them. Jesus says in Mark chapter 9 that, that God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. That if you say that you belong to the kingdom of God, then the way up is really down. That if you want to be great, then you need to be the least. doesn't make any sense, but that's what God's call is in our lives. And so next week, we're going to be finishing up deacons. Uh, hopefully, you'll be praying about this. So this is not just a static moment of like, hey, we talked about deacons, but... God, what are you, what's your call in my life for this? What should this look like? But if nothing else, God, you have saved me. How can I serve you?